Well, this evening I'd like to speak to you from Acts chapter 4. And while I was studying this afternoon, I, I couldn't remember if I had covered these verses at this meeting or not. Which, if I did, it's been long enough now that you're probably ready for round two. So, so we'll see here. Um, I want to just start reading um, from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. And then see if we can make some, some living applications to the issues around life. Acts 4.23 When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed and whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The context of this setting is Peter and John, after Pentecost, continued to minister and preach. And as was their custom, one day they're going up to the synagogue to pray and minister to the people there, and they happen upon this man who's paralyzed. And the man asks them for money. He's a beggar. He asks them for money. Peter says, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, stand up, take up, take up your, your bed and walk. And the young, this man who'd been paralyzed his entire life, all of a sudden he had strength in his legs to walk. And he goes into the temple praising God. Now, the Pharisees and religious leaders didn't like that very much. And so it leads eventually to Peter and John being put in prison. And then they've been released, they've been let out of prison, and they go immediately to report back to their other, the other disciples, the other followers of Christ. And whenever they reported to them, they told them, the chief priest said, don't speak in Jesus' name any longer. They were threatening to beat them. They did beat them. They were threatening to kill them. And they come and tell the other disciples, hey, this is happening to us. And what we find in this prayer is their response to that persecution. Now I ask, in issues around life, do you notice any kickback, any pushback from any opposition from particularly in our text, it's referring to leaders, people in positions of authority who want to silence people who would speak up for what God has revealed to be true, what God has told them to say. Do you find opposition? Whenever you look at the society we live in, the most recent State of the Union, do you hear opposition against those who would stand up for life? Now, what our tendency is, our tendency is to pray in this way, God, deliver us from the difficulty. 
Deliver us from those who oppose what we're doing. Free us from the suffering we have because of the stance that we take. Well, what's interesting, if we look at the context of this prayer, then we might see what our attitude ought to be in this. Notice the first thing that, they, that it says. When they heard it, verse 24, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. The first place that they start in their prayer is recognizing God's sovereignty. And that's always where you have to start when you face any kind of difficulty and especially opposition, especially opposition from people of authority. Because the Scripture also tells us that God is the one who appoints people to the position that they're in, whether they're good or bad, whether it's a Pharaoh or whether it's a David. God puts them there. They're in authority because He put them there. God is the Creator, the Sovereign Lord, who created heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. The next thing you see in verse 25 is, "...who who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage?" And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. Now they're quoting from Psalm 2 there. Psalm 2, this reference, David speaks in Psalm 2 about the Gentiles, the heathen nations raging against God, plotting against God. The kings of the earth setting themselves against God. And that's not a surprising thing, that those in positions of authority that don't know God are going to set themselves against God. Why? Well, because God threatens their authority. You see, it's like Caesar. That's why why Rome persecuted Christians. It's because Caesar thought he was God. And when Christians worship, they're challenging the authority that um, Caesar thought that he had. The same thing you see with Nebuchadnezzar and others. But here's the reality. They don't stop at the fact that these rulers are evil. Verse 27, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. And so here's the picture. All of these people, even different religious people, coming together against Jesus. And they say in verse 28, here's the encouragement. This is why we start with recognizing the sovereignty of God. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now I've got a question for you. Was the crucifixion of the Son of God an evil thing? Was it a bad thing that they did putting Jesus on that cross? Was it evil? Absolutely. The most heinous act in all of human history was to execute and slaughter the Son of God. And yet... It was according to God's plan and purpose. Now hold that thought and think about this in the context of these disciples. Verse 29 tells us, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Do you follow the logic of these people? They're saying God is the sovereign God of the universe. He created everything. He's the one who has called Jesus to the earth, sent His Son to the earth. He's the one who is sovereignly ruling as they hung Him on that cross according to His plan. And they're saying, so it was your plan, God, to have your Son killed in service to you to redeem His people. Why would we think 
that God's purpose would not include any suffering for us or any death for us. They're beholding the threats of these Pharisees saying, we're going to beat you, we're going to kill you, stop doing what you're doing. And they're saying, well, they treated Jesus the same way. Matter of fact, just listen to this. We're, we're going through the Gospel of John on Sundays, and we're about to start this next section. I was just reading this today. John 15, verse 18. Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. You see, Jesus has told them already, they're going to do this to you, and they did it to me. And here in their prayer, it's as though they're remembering Jesus' words. Well, he said they're going to do to us what they did to him. And here we're experiencing that. Where do we go? Where do we turn? But to God, to the sovereign God who's in control of these things. And notice their prayer. They don't say, Sovereign Lord who's in control of all these things, deliver us from pain. They don't say, remove the opposition. They say, give us boldness to continue speaking what you've given us to speak, your word, without fear, without turning away, in spite of those people who are opposed to us. Verse 30, they go on, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Then verse 31, And when they had prayed, or when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now I suggest to you, what is needed most in this land is that it would be shaken. That the leaders and authorities and rulers would be shaken. But notice this, these same men, the scripture goes on to tell us, turn the world upside down. They themselves were shaken first. God filled them with His Spirit in order to go and proclaim what He had for them to proclaim with boldness. And we should not expect to see our nation, those who are doing evil things in the land, to be shaken if we ourselves have not been. How can we hope to speak to these authorities apart from the empowerment of God? And so the whole point that I have to give us tonight around all issues of life and even this gathering is how often are we praying over these things and not just praying according to what's going to make the task in front of us easier, but that God would continue to embolden us to speak the truth according to what He has said in spite of the opposition, to be people of conviction that say what we say because it's true according to God's Word, whether people are ready to hear it or not, to be dependent on God and recognize these disciples. If you would have asked someone looking at this time, Peter and John just let out of prison, everybody around them would have said, what are they thinking? What hope do they have against this mighty Roman Empire and all of these Jewish Pharisees? What are they going to accomplish? Nothing. And yet, God answers their prayer. The Holy Spirit is sent. The place is shaken. And they have boldness to proclaim His Word. 
The centerpiece to all of this, where does confidence to pray like this come from? It comes from this, knowing that Jesus' death on the cross was not a cosmic accident. It was not, I don't know what we're going to do now. God was not surprised. It was His purpose that that happened. And the reason that He sent His Son to do that is because we look at the world around us, the sin, the evil in the land, and we say, that's bad. But if we measure ourselves by that and not the standard of God's Word, we're not going to see that we're not good either. We're not good people inside, according to the Scripture, not apart from the work of God in us. And we ought to rejoice that God's sovereign plan is what has allowed for us to know redemption, to know forgiveness, to know salvation. And I believe that's probably a central part of this, of their confidence, is this. God was willing to send His own Son to die in order to save and forgive and redeem them. They could trust Him. Their souls were secure because of the sovereign God's work in sending His Son to die. They could trust Him with their lives even if they died because their eternity is secure. And they could face a world full of people that were going to hate what they had to say because even if they killed them, they knew they had eternal life because the Son of God bore their sin and the wrath they deserved in their place. I pray we would be this kind of people that when adversity strikes, our inclination is not immediately, God, get rid of the suffering or hardship. God, give us boldness. Help us to be faithful in the midst of these things. Help us to continue as you've called us to, whether the the difficulty ends or not. And so, with that, I'll go ahead and wrap up my thoughts now. And I'll close this portion out with another word of prayer, and then you can carry on. Heavenly Father, O Lord, You are our sovereign God and the one in whom our souls rest and trust. God, You who have ordained all things from before the foundation of the world and are never surprised by anything, God, I ask that You give us boldness and faithfulness to trust You, to depend on You. O God, I pray that the labors that we do, the things that we pursue would not be in vain but they would be for your glory and for the advance of your kingdom on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.